Last week, we were along the shorelines of the River Jordan with John the Baptist and his cousin Jesus, and we reflected on the great reveal. Jesus, God's unique son, revealed to us, revealed to all of humankind. If you want to see and feel and know the face of God, you encounter God in the face of Jesus. Jesus beloved, Jesus approved, Jesus affirmed. And this great reveal we talked about last week led to the great surprise that not only is God's son Jesus beloved, but all of God's children are beloved. And that's the starting point for our spiritual journeys. That's the firm foundation that we begin our life of faith with. It's good news for a new year. It's good news for a new decade we celebrated. A life empowered and enlivened by the Spirit. And we were witnessing Jesus' baptism through the gospel writer Matthew last week. But this week's gospel reading from John dips us back into the river through the lens of John, the beloved disciple. John's mapping out in chapter 1 here a four-day sequence of events. Day one, full of John the Baptist preaching and teaching and baptizing in his ministry. Day two, talks of Jesus and John interacting and, and a little pushback from John the Baptist saying, Hey, cuz, I'm not really worthy of even carrying your sandals and you want me to baptize you? And Jesus says, this is the time. And John baptizes him. And so now we're in the third day. John, again, is standing with some of his own disciples, and he watches Jesus walks by and exclaims, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And John's disciples respond by moving their discipleship journey from following John the Baptist, and they decide to follow Jesus. And Jesus turns to them and asks, What are you looking for? They say, Teacher, where are you staying Jesus says, come and see. Some translations uh, word it, come and you will see. And we don't really get any more information on what that landscaping of coming and seeing looks like for these early disciples. But then John points out something interesting. He says, they remained with Jesus that day. It was about four o'clock. Why does Jesus, or John, want to name the time as four o'clock? And there's lots of ideas. If you read Bible commentaries and uh, Bible preachers, there's lots of ideas on what might explain that four o'clock phrase. Uh, In the practical sense, um, the original wording is the tenth hour. And in this time, 2,000 years ago, Um, time was measured from 6 a.m., so the 10th hour from 6 a.m. was 4 p.m., so maybe a practical explanation there. But there are other commentators who say, well, maybe Jesus is saying, uh, or John is pointing out, that there are times that we ought to pay attention to in our encounters with Jesus. And so, how about us? Uh, I thought, what does it mean for us to come and see and stay with Jesus and take note of the time or the times when that's meaningful or significant? Um, So 
What might be our four o'clock moments in our journeys of faith? Maybe you've had one of those fantastic um, rags-to-riches four o'clock moment conversion story where Jesus just blew your mind at one point in your life journey. Maybe take time today to ruminate on that. What, what was happening in that season of your life? Could it happen again? Should it happen again? If so, what might you do to create a time where you might encounter Jesus anew in a four o'clock manner? I was hoping that this place is a four o'clock moment place for us as followers of Jesus. That when we come to this place week after week, worshiping in this place with these people, that we have this opportunity to listen to God anew, to encounter a living Christ anew, to be moved by the word of God as we grow in our faith and our formation. So perhaps, and hopefully, your 11 o'clock is a part of your 4 o'clock. Does that make sense? Am I going too nutty there? That week after week, we have this opportunity for four o'clock moments to encounter a living God as we worship together as the people of faith here at First B Edmonton. And I'm encouraged by people who say to me, uh, week in and week out, I don't know if I'd still be going to church if it wasn't for First Baptist Church. I need this place. I need this time. I need this group of believers. And if you've been hanging around here for the past several years, you know that um, sometimes I like to rename our church. And so I thought, what if for a season we called ourselves FBC? Four o'clock Baptist Church, everybody, eh? We wouldn't even have to change the acronym. We could still be FBC, but we're four o'clock Baptist Church. Because we come week after week to this place believing that we get to encounter the living God together. Four o'clock Baptist. So there's that piece that I want you to reflect on this morning. Or maybe have conversations around the the lunch or supper table about what are your four o'clock moments in the past or maybe in the present in these days. But with today's story, how can we preach this text or reflect on this text without saying the word evangelism? Huh? Evangelism. Does that make you feel happy? Nervous? Does it make the hairs on the back of your neck go, ah? But evangelism, it's, it, it's right there. It's this famous, familiar story of Andrew sharing the message of Jesus with his brother Simon. And he evangelizes him, so to speak. He, he's a herald of the good news to Simon. And it works. Andrew finds his brother Simon and he says to him, we found God's anointed. And Andrew leads Simon to Jesus. There's hundreds of missions, organizations, and church initiatives that have been born out of that verse. Andrew leads Simon to Jesus. And Jesus says to Simon, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated rock. And we know that rock is kind of a nickname for Peter. And we know the rock's story. It's a great one. 
that Peter the rock becomes the first one to preach a sermon after the Holy Spirit descends upon the early church on Pentecost. Peter the rock is the first to be one of the main shepherds of the early church. All because of that everyday Christian, Andrew. And so maybe you've heard stories and you've been cajoled or encouraged uh, or challenged to just be that everyday Christian, Andrew, because you never know, you might be leading the next Peter to Jesus. So it makes me wonder, what's our evangelism culture like here at FBC, at 4 o'clock Baptist? In my 12 years here, we haven't done an altar call where we played Just I Am as the closing hymn. I don't know if any of you have experienced that here at First Baptist. Has anyone experienced an altar call at First Baptist where at the end of the service, we sing a hymn and the minister waits for people to come and give their hearts to Jesus or come and accept Jesus into your heart? Well, okay. I'm not going to shame or judge you on that, but, well, okay, that says something about the evangelism culture here. Um, Sometimes it happens at communion. Uh, Right before communion, the pastor will stand up and say, really, if you want to participate in communion, please get yourself right with Jesus. And you can say a prayer and follow me in this prayer and accept Jesus in your heart and then you won't drink judgment on yourself as you partake of the communion table this morning. We haven't done that in my 12 years here. So what is the evangelism culture like here at First Baptist? Well, might I suggest that we don't feel ashamed. (laughs) Um, uh, We're not ashamed of the gospel. But I think a really interesting, intriguing evangelism way that comes out of this story is, come, you will see, and stay evangelism. And we might consider what that looks like in our lives. Come, you will see, stay evangelism. And I'll share my slant on it, and I'd be curious in conversations in the days and weeks ahead how others might be interacting and reflecting on this. But the come is just simply come. Come to the house of the Lord here at 4 o'clock Baptist Church. Worship with these people who we believe encounter a living God in our liturgical traditional worship week after week. Like that excited psalmist, might we say, I was excited and glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And you might invite others to come with you into this place. And then the you will see part is that week after week and day after day and meeting after meeting and worship service after worship service in this place, I hope that you will see and encounter Jesus. Because really, Jesus is all we've got. Right? If Jesus doesn't show up in this place by God's Spirit and meet us, then this is just a dead, dumb ritual. So we pray, we corporately pray together that you will see, that we will see 
Jesus. The face and heart of Jesus revealed in acts of kindness, in words of mercy and grace. Sometimes Jesus speaks through us. Sometimes Jesus just shows up by the Spirit and speaks to your heart or your mind in a fantastic way. But often it can happen in places of community of faith and worship. And I might go out on a limb and say, if you aren't seeing Jesus at 4 o'clock Baptist, then go try a few other churches. Because if Jesus is the heart of why we worship and grow and are formed in our faith, then find that community of faith where Jesus will meet you and encounter you. So, the come, the you will see, and the stay um, idea is simply that this is a journey. Um, the word, the Greek word, we don't often get Greeky on you here in our sermons, but the word for stay or dwell is meno. And it's this long abiding word. So it's not just staying and finding Jesus right away and then going on your merry way, but it's, it's you will see because you stay for this long journey of faith with Jesus. And so for us, as a church, as a local community of faith, maybe you don't see Jesus right away, but we pray that as you stay and dwell and abide in this place, that this Jesus who promises to abide with us will show up, will show up in your life, will show up in my life, and together we can continue to recognize this living God in our midst. As we close, a few directions for us to reflect on. The first is that four o'clock moment. What has been your four o'clock moment of faith? In the past, in the present, name it and, and, and give thanks for it. Or maybe perhaps create some new conditions or ways or practices in 2020 that might allow Jesus to once again show up in a deeper, more meaningful way in your life. And out of that four o'clock encounter, then is the come and you will see and stay evangelism journey. Because in the midst of you having good news, you encountering a living God in this place amongst these people, you'll invite others to come, to see, to stay with us. And it might be a slow journey. It won't be neat and tidy. I, I want to close with some statements from this conversion story of a woman named Sarah Miles, who wrote this book called Take This Bread. And this is a, a woman who in her mid-40s was raised an atheist. Um, she's a lesbian She's a journalist. She's definitely a left-winger, she would self-describe. But she encountered Jesus by showing up at a communion service in an Episcopalian service in San Francisco. And she thought, I'm just going to kind of visit this church as a journalistic experience. And she has this radical encounter with the living Christ and is changed and transformed and goes on to become a priest at this church and runs a, a food pantry that ministers to the poor in San Francisco. 
But I draw your attention, and I won't read all the quotes, but I love the first one. Conversion was turning out to be quite far from the greeting card moment promised by televangelists. When Jesus steps into your life, personally saves you, and becomes your lucky charm forever. Instead, it was socially and politically awkward, as well as profoundly confusing. I wasn't struck with any sudden conviction that I now understand the truth. If anything, I was just crabbier lonelier, and more destabilized. And then I'll jump to that third quote. Conversion isn't, after all, a moment. It's a process. And it keeps happening with cycles of acceptance and resistance, epiphany, and doubt. It's not a neat and tidy journey, but it is a journey where we do encounter a living God through the face and presence and spirit of Jesus. So as we close this morning, I'm just going to give you 30 or 40 seconds to begin this reflection journey, maybe thinking about what your 4 o'clock conversion encounters have been like in the past or are like right now. And then secondly, in your mind's eye, I invite you to, to imagine a person who, maybe in the year ahead, is in the landscape of your life, who you might feel like the Spirit's nudging you to say, come, come to my community of faith. Come and see. You'll see a living God or you'll encounter this living God and you might not see this God right away, but if you stay with us for weeks or months or years, God might do a work of transformation and conversion and compassion and care and mercy in your heart. So just 30 or 40 seconds to to give thanks for four o'clock moments, but then also to imagine maybe someone who, who the Spirit's nudging you to invite to come and see and stay with us. Let's quietly reflect together. Lord, you incline your ear and hear our cries. You lift up the lowly and you make our steps secure. And we tell the glad news of your deliverance in the congregation. We proclaim your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. We speak of your faithfulness, your salvation, and your steadfast love.